Welcome to Taft Talks, a podcast from The Modern Law Firm. In this ongoing series, Taft Talks Probate, Minneapolis private client partner Bob McLeod discusses hot topics and timely information surrounding private client litigation for trusts, wills, guardianships and conservatorships, and more. Welcome to another edition of Taft Talks Probate. I'm your host, Bob McLeod, and today we're going to cover part three of intestate succession. Again, I encourage you to get out a pen and piece of paper so you can write down some of these charts and understand how these statutes work together. But let's get going. Now, what happens if the decedent didn't have any descendants? No children, no grandchildren, etc. No descendants. Well, then the statute 524-2103, subparagraph 2 provides if there's no surviving descendants, then it goes to the parents of the decedent equally. If only one parent is living, then it goes to that surviving parent 100%. So if A dies, let's say A is 19 years old with no children. If A dies, then the A's estate goes to the parents in equal shares. If one of the parents is not living, then the surviving parent gets it all. So where do we go from here? I bet you can guess. What happens if the decedent dies with no descendants and no parents? Well, once again, we look to the statute, 524-103, subparagraph 3, says, if there's no surviving descendant or parent, then it goes to the descendants of the decedent's parents or either of them by representation. What does that mean? It means it goes to the decedent's brothers and sisters and to the descendants of deceased brothers and sisters by representation. But we have to figure out what does representation mean. Like I promised you, it has a little bit different meaning in this context when it's going to your uh, siblings. Now, one important note here is if you have siblings who don't have all the same parents. Let's say the father had three children from three different relationships and the mother had three children from three different relationships. Well, you've got six siblings who are going to share in the estate and their descendants. So it's not simply divided among parents who had all the kids from the same relationship. It's all the descendants of your parents, of your deceased parents. But let's see how these distributions are made. In this case, the statute 524-2-106 defines representation for descendants of the parents as follows. Representation means you start counting the division of heirs in the first generation where someone is alive. Now let that sink in for a second. You start counting in the first generation where someone is alive. So again, take out your piece of paper and write down, we're going to assume a mother and a father. I realize family relationships have different options, but we're just going to assume mother and father. And in this situation, just write M and F or whatever you please but it's referring to the descendants of the parents. So have them on top, and then write down the letters underneath them. Again, we're doing a family tree. 
of B, C, and D, just like we did before for the descendants of the decedent. And just like before, under B as in boy, have descendant E and F, two descendants, E and F, as the descendants of B, and under child D, as in dog, again, let's put the letter G. Now, under the statute, it says, start counting in the first generation where someone's alive. Let's assume, in this situation, child B, as in boy, is deceased, and child D, as in dog, is deceased. In that situation, the first generation where someone is alive is in child C is in Charlie's generation. So because that's the first generation where someone's alive, that's the generation we're going to start to count. So we say, how many children are alive in that generation? Well, one, a C for Charlie. How many are deceased who left descendants? Well, you have child B is deceased with two descendants, so there's one there. And child D is deceased with one descendant, so there's one there. So there's one living and two deceased with descendants. So you go, okay. The estate is going to be divided in three shares. One-third to B's descendants. And like we did before, B's descendants share that one-third equally. E and F each get a sixth. Child C gets their one-third share. And child D, since they're deceased, that one-third share goes to D's descendant. G, one-third. So it looks remarkably like descendants of the decedent. But let's, let's twist the facts just a little bit. Using your same chart, assume that child B as in boy, C as in Charlie, and D as in dog are all deceased. B, C, and D are all deceased. Now let's see how the statute works. You're supposed to start counting in the first generation where someone's alive. Well, what's the first generation where someone is alive? It's not the generation where B, C, and D live because they're all deceased. So we have to go to the next generation. What's the first generation where someone's alive? It's the generation where E, F, and G are alive. So we go, okay. How many people are alive in generation where E, F, and G are? Let's assume all three are alive. Three. How many deceased persons in that generation? None. So we're, again, we're going to divide the estate in three shares. And we divide it equally between E, F, and G, one-third to each of them. So in this situation, it doesn't matter that the parents are deceased above. The first generation where someone's alive, that's when we start counting and we start redistributing in that generation. So E gets a third, F gets a third, and G gets a third. All right, now you're ready to get complicated. What happens if the decedent has no descendants, so it goes up to the parents, but both parents are deceased? So it comes down to the siblings and descendants of siblings. But what if the parents are deceased, the siblings are deceased, and all the descendants of the parents are deceased? Well, you might guess it. It goes up to the grandparents. Now, if by chance the grandparents are alive, it goes one half to the first set of grandparents, and the other half goes to the other grandparents. 
Now let's start again. I, I know things, there's different uh, family relationships now, but I'm going to assume a mother and a father here. So what would happen is half would go to the father's grandparents. If both are alive, that one half is split in equal shares among both grandparents. If one of them is deceased, it goes that half goes all to the survivor. The other half goes to the mother's grandparents in equal shares to both, or if only one is alive, that one half goes all to the survivor. But what happens if the grandparents are deceased? Now, we don't want to draw too many charts, so let's just assume we're going to go to one, let, let's just study one grandparent's distributions. One half of the estate goes to the father's side, and let's follow what happens to the father's side one-half share. Assume it's kind of everything, so we don't get into too big of fractions. Well, in this situation, we're looking now at 524, 2-103, subparagraph 4. And it says that the distribution to the descendants of the grandparents is by representation. But just like I promised you, the definition of representation changes. We had one definition of representation for the descendants of the decedent. We had one definition of representation for descendants of the decedent's parents. And now we have a new definition of representation for the descendants of the decedent's grandparents. And this is in 524.2-106, subparagraph C2. In this situation, I want you to draw another chart. It's another uh, family tree where you have the two grandparents who are both deceased. So you can put them at the top however you want. They're both deceased. And then we're going to do another chart with person B, C, and D, who are aunts and uncles to the person who died. But we're creating the same chart where the grandparents are survived at this point by persons B, C, and D, just like before. And I want you to put under B persons E and F, just like before, and under D person G. Now, under this new rule, here's how we start counting. Under 106 C2, we start counting in the first generation where someone is alive, sounds very much like the definition of representation for the parents. The first generation where someone's alive, and then we stop counting. And that's what's a little bit different from counting in the parents' level. So what does that mean? Well, let's look at what happens. We have B, C, and D under the grandparents. If B, C, and D all are living, then the how many living people are in this generation? Three. So we divide the estate in three shares. What if B is deceased and D is deceased, just like we've done in the prior examples? Well, then, what's the first generation where someone is alive? It's in the generation of B, C, and D because C is alive. So if we start counting in that generation, what does the statute say? How many living people are in that generation? And then the statute stops. In other words, if B is deceased and D is deceased... There's only one living person in the first living generation. Person C gets it all. So just to make sure this is clear, let's, let's try this in a couple different ways. So if in this generation you have three children, B, C, and D, and B and D are dead, C gets it all. 
What happens if B is alive, C is alive, and D is dead? Well, then B and C are the living members in the first generation. They split it one half each. What happens if B is dead, C is dead, and D is dead? All three of them are dead. Well, where's the first generation where someone's alive? It's in the E, F, and G generation. So there's three living people. That's the first generation where someone's alive, and there are three living people in that generation. They split it equally, one-third each. What if B, C, and D are dead, and so is E? Well, then F and G split the estate one-half each. Now, remember, when we're saying one-half each, we're talking one-half of the one-half that came down through that line, the grandparents' line. So it's one-half, one-half, but one-quarter, one-quarter of the entire decedent's estate. And the same analysis is done on the other side. And you might say, geez, I'm not good at math. This isn't my thing. I don't blame you. And the simple fact is every time I do these things, I pull out the statutes and walk through it again just to make sure I'm remembering right. It's not easy stuff, and it helps by taking out a pencil and charting these things out, particularly when you have actual facts. You actually know exactly who's living and who's dead. And you can start to chart these things out on a piece of paper and figure out the percentages by following the statutes uh, very closely. So if you're wondering how an intestate estate is distributed, these are the starting rules. But of course, these rules are subject to some nuances and alterations based on some of the additional intestate statutes that follow. And my guess is somewhere down the line, we'll be addressing some of those in a future podcast. Until next time, I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Tap Talks. If you liked this episode, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with The Modern Law Firm. This podcast provides general information related to the law. Taft Talks is not providing legal advice and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The opinions expressed on Taft Talks belong to the individual attorneys on the program and do not necessarily reflect the firm's position. For questions and comments, please contact podcast at taftlaw.com. Additional information about Taft can be found at taftlaw.com. Taft